The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode, it's 1970 versus 2002. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Two men enter. One man leaves. Welcome to Action Film Face Off, the show where two random years are selected, and my brother will bring an action film from one of those random years. I will bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. I am Derek Albrecht, the Death Probe. My co-host is my brother Jason, the Weasel Skull. We're both military combat vets who take our actions seriously, but not too seriously. So let's have some fun. Today's episode is a half-blind fire episode. I had not seen our 1970 selection. Jason hadn't seen it. And our special guest had not yet seen it. Yes, indeed. And we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those five categories, you ask? Why do you have to keep asking? And I have to tell you every episode. All right. Once again, it's story. It's overall spectacle. It's best action scene. It's the hero and the villain. It's still not in that order. We're never going to change that script. So just get used to it. But at the end, as you all know, there will be a deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Thank you, Jason. And we have our quarterly returning sniper. The sniper has just one point to give in each category, so the sniper can sway the scoring by a total of five points. And let's reintroduce our sniper. Welcome back, MVP, Kathy Brights. Hello, hello. I need more enthusiasm. <laughs> Five pounds of pep in a three-pound bag. I almost said Pat. Thanks. It's usually Pat we got to get up for the show. Pat we got to bolster up. <laughs> I, said, I said whoop whoop. I mean, I, I haven't figured out what I want to do yet. I mean, I don't. I don't, don't have a. <laughs> All right. I don't have a. I don't have a song. I don't have a. I don't, don't know. Catchphrase. Don't have a gimmick. Yeah, there you go. That's okay. It. Thank All you. Right. All right. Well, Kathy's been here before, so she doesn't have to answer the standard question what her three favorite action films are. So we'll just ask Kathy to name her three favorite James Bond films that star Timothy Dalton. Go. Um, well, considering <laughs> there's not three. <laughs> that was a trick question. You pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back, Kathy. You're a fan favorite by request. Everybody loves you on the show. People keep wanting you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we sure about that? I'm not. I'm not so sure. But anyway, I'm you, here. We were looking at the demographics, and you are currently the number one favorite action film face-off host from Laurel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laurel. <laughs> With Kathy joining Laurel, we've just upped our female representation by two hundred percent. Exactly. So good to go. Well. With the news and stats out of the way, <laughs> and before our two films enter the Video Dome Arena, we are thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. 
These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ooh. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blasted or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Clinton Robinson. Captain Entropy. Dave Collins. Hey, Dave. Battle Wagon. Gary V. Gerald Green. Jason Albrick Keen. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like the Jarman too. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Poyo. Josh Strickland. Captivating. Kathy Bright. The M. Viest of Peace. <laughs> and then you have the monstrous Mark Hathaway. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Candace Ward. Paul Hicks. Rick of Jeff and Rick Presents. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Steve Cronin. Timmy. Tim Price, come on down. Tony Pennington. And the Toronto Cop. And if we miss you on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're recent edition, we'll add you soon. But no worries. If we missed you, just send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Go to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. And for as little as a dollar a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. All right, enough chit-chat. Let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film Gladiators About to Battle for Your Pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1970. It's the earliest setting on our randomizer. Mm -hmm. And I selected, in a blind fire, Cold Sweat. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason? Well, I got 2002 and put into our video dome arena, and I didn't really take a big chance here. I went with Blade 2. Well, we've got to find somewhat lopsided matchup for this one, folks. <laughs> but we're still going to have fun with it. I mean, there's not going to be like a one or two point difference between these two? <laughs> Maybe in some categories. Yeah. That's kind of up to you. Yeah, you'll never, we'll have to find out what the sniper thinks. Mm-hmm. Now, it's important to point out this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine or vice versa. This is all about us discovering some beloved action films or maybe discovering some new ones. And coming to a consensus on which one is going to be this episode's champion. A quick around the room on where we saw it. I watched Cold Sweat quasi via YouTube. <laughs> and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. And, <laughs> and I watched Blade 2 off my Plex server. Jason, how'd you watch it? I watched Blade 2 on my Blu-ray and I watched Cold Sweat off of your Plex server. Kathleen. Ditto to what Jason says. I have the trilogy of the Blade films on DVD, and then I watched Cold Sweat on the Plex server. Mm-hmm. I did eventually get it to my Plex server, to everyone's benefit, because Cold Sweat's kind of hard to find, a little bit hard to find. Although I can tell our listeners, it is on YouTube with commercials. It's free with commercials, so you do have that option. I'm going to check it out. Speaking of which, this is your spoiler warning. We're about to play a little musical break for you. On the other side of that, we're going to start talking about these films. Things are going to get spoiled, so... Now is your chance to either check out 1970's Cold Sweat, or if you haven't seen 2002's Blade 2, 
not sure you're the target audience for this podcast. <laughs> so, but hey, go ahead and watch it anyway. We'll see you when you get back from the break. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed both of those films. Let me jump in with some quick info on 1970s Cold Sweat. It's the police. This is not something for the police. I'll handle it myself. Sometimes I wonder why I stay married. And sometimes I know why I stay married. be kept around you might as well introduce your friends my friends that's ross i remember when you used to call me sir fausto when this uh, katanga if i remember right moira cast and crew is as follows it stars charles bronson and james mason is directed by terrence young and the synopsis goes a little something like this joe martin just wants to run his charter fishing boat have some fun and escape his past but his past is about to catch up with him joe had once been a convict and a part of a military prison break but when that prison break went wrong because his cohorts murdered a cop joe left him high and dry he didn't want any part of a cop killing So his buddies were caught and did an additional 20 years. Now they're out. And under the leadership of the wily Captain Ross, they find Joe and threaten his family so that Joe will pay them restitution. But Joe ain't going to roll over for all that. I want to point out they only got 20 years for killing a German guy. I I thought that was a pretty, (laughs) yeah. I'm like, they got off easy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Here's your interesting trivia. Ah. I got a James Bond connection. Anytime that happens, I'm going to bring it up. So here we go. (laughs) Two key crew personnel who worked on this movie are synonymous for working on the James Bond movie franchise. They are car stunt co-coordinator 
Remy Julian, and director Terrence Young. The latter directed three of the first four James Bond pictures, whilst the former worked on Bond movies during the Roger Moore era, being responsible for many of the series' outlandish car stunts. Though they both worked on this movie, they never worked on a Bond movie together at the same time. Numero dos. Actress Jill Ireland, who played Captain Ross's girlfriend in this film, is the real-life wife of Charles Bronson. Number three. Only three days after the film's release in the United States, it was aired on television in the United States. <laughs> this is because it was released in Europe in 1970, but it didn't get a U.S. release until 74. So it hit theaters, and literally three days later, you could see it on TV because it had already been optioned for television. So there's Cold Sweat. I noticed the title was in French, and I didn't understand what it said. But I didn't think it was saying Cold Sweat. But did it have like a different title in French? I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to dig, do some digging. Do some digging. Okay. And now I will give you the rundown on 2002's Blade 2. There's a world beyond the one we know where the powers of darkness fear nothing but one man. We represent the ruling body of the Vampire Nation. They're offering you a truce. They want to meet with you. You're sure about this? They'll take us in deeper than we've ever been. Now, those he has sworn to kill need his help to fight a new breed of terror. They're no longer top of the food chain. Our forces are ready to fight, but we need a leader. Let me get this right. You want me to hunt them for you? Friends close. Keep your enemies closer. Cast and crew included Wesley Snipes, Chris Christofferson, Ron Perlman, and Leonore Varela. It was directed by Guillermo del Toro. You forgot Norman Reedus. What the what? I didn't forget. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Synopsis goes something like this. Blade discovers that his old pal Whistler is still alive, kinda, and being held captive by his vampire enemies. After a daring rescue, the two friends have little time to catch up when a new threat emerges in the form of Reapers, a new breed of nocturnal predators who feed on vampires as well as humans. Blade forms an uneasy alliance with the Vampire Nation in order to take down the threat. Will the partnership of necessity hold together, or will secrets and betrayals be their undoing? One thing's for certain, there will be blood. So here's some trivia for you. Number one, there's a stained glass window in the church fight sequence, and it's an homage to the Eye of Agamotto belonging to Doctor Strange. Second one, the character Scud 
wears a t-shirt with BPRD on it. This is an homage to Hellboy, the comic book character who was soon to be directed by Guillermo del Toro in his film. Hey, who played Scud, Jason? It was Norman Reedus, Jared. <laughs> I want to make Kathy I like better. Norman Reedus. I met Norman Reedus one day. He's very nice. He's very nice. I mean, I can I can drop some pictures of me with him if I need to. I can drop some pictures of me with him if I need to. Let's throw, let's throw down. Let's throw down pictures, Kathy. I've drawn a picture of Norman Reedus That's as far right. as I get. That's right, you have. All right, last uh, bit of trivia here. 30 of the cast and crew members were temporarily blinded in a UV light accident during the Reaper autopsy scene. I want to know what went wrong in that. (laughs) (laughs) And now that we have the basics on today's contestant. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Folks, let's get into it. Just some quick reminders. We're going to play Match Game, the game within the game. There are two films and five rounds, so there's up to ten opportunities for Jason and I to match. So place your bets. I don't know his scores. He doesn't know my scores, but we're going to find out. Speaking of scores, they're one to ten. If we get a five, five means it's average. It's right in the middle. It's something you'd see in a halfway decent made for TV movie. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got a pretty good film. Uh, Four, three, two, one. Things aren't looking so good for you. Having said that, let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging and or original is your story? Jason, what do you got on the story of 1970s Cold Sweat? Cold Sweat was a really interesting story. I wasn't sure where it was going, but it picks up and you pick up the threads of the plot pretty quick. Because it was set, like we talked about, in 1970. And I liked how it was dealing with the fallout of the Korean War. They were veterans of the Korean War. Interesting elements, you know, kind of crossed over even to like me as a veteran and my friends coming back from combat, trying to readjust in society. And like you said in your synopsis, Jared, that's basically all Joe's trying to do. But this past is catching up with him and they're not going to let him go. So, you know, there's one more battle in store. And then... We talked a little bit about it offline, but it's a little bit more, I think, of a thriller with some really good action elements kind of baked in. But the thriller pieces of it are really good. Really good. I thought it was a really good chess match between the hero and the villain. And even the hero and villain lines get blurred. The villain isn't as bad as we think, and the hero definitely isn't as good as he's made out to be at the beginning. Very interesting, complex script. I enjoyed it. Kathy, what do you have to add? I agree with the thriller. It had a little less action than I was prepared for it to have for action film face-off. But I did enjoy it much, actually, more than I thought I would for a movie that was actually around before I was born. So that made me happy. And I'm going to just agree with that, Kathy. When you know I first kind of picked it blind, because I, I got 1970, I just looked at action movies that came out in 70. I believe Kevin Reitzel, our previous guest, kind of said, oh, that's not a bad movie. You might enjoy it. So I said, okay, and I picked it. And I started playing it, you know, and I saw the foreign titles. By the way, Jason, the French title translates, according to Google, to From Friends. Okay. (laughs) I looked it up. (laughs) Okay, nice. Very good. But when I saw the foreign titles, I was like, okay, this is made in, in a foreign country. It's probably on a budget. This is Charles Bronson working in Europe, you know, limited budgets and stuff. I was like, 
Okay, Connery. Exactly. I was like, am I in for an okay Connery here? And I was so, just like Kathy said, I was so pleasantly surprised at how engaging it was for, you know, it had a limited budget, but man, I think they got the most out of it. So anyways, let's move over to Blade 2. And all right, Jason, what do you got on the story of Blade 2 2002? Plot was pretty basic. As far as the script goes, I didn't think that there was a whole lot to it. It was obviously they were trying to make something worse than vampires to amp up the threat from the original movie. But it works really well through some really good direction, really good chemistry between Chris Christopherson and Wesley Snipes, the Whistler Blade. So the charisma between Wesley Snipes and Chris Christopherson, the characters really help carry the show. They've got a good bunch of villains in there. You throw Ron Perlman in the mix. It just amps everything up. They have some great sets, you know, which we'll talk a little bit more later. So it really kind of carries what what I think is kind of a, actually kind of a weak script, at least as far as the plot is concerned. Those are my initial thoughts coming out of the gate. What do you think, Kathy? You agree? Disagree? I kind of like the simplicity of it a little bit. I like the tension that the movie has with Blade having to work with what is typically his enemy. So I thought it was quite engaging. I mean, I thought it was a very good, you know, the sophomore movie is always one that's kind of questionable when you have such a incredible film like Blade 1. So I think it held up pretty well compared to the original movie. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Kathy. It's kind of funny because Cold Sweat uh, kind of ended up, like we said, being more of a thriller. And in some ways, I feel like Blade 2 is more of a almost a body horror film than it is an action film like the first one was. Although there's no shortage of action. We will get to that. In the commentary, they really did not want Del Toro directing this film because he did horror movies. They mm-hmm. didn't think he was good for this, but he did all he could to make it a little more to his style towards the horror genre. <laughs> it shows. You can feel it. It's. It's, uh, I've talked to some people who say, I'll be like, oh, you know, what'd you think of Blade 2? And they'll be like, oh, that's the gross one. Because <laughs> when you think about it, it does have more sort of body horror than, than the other ones do. I hope we talk about that at some point, because there's some specific scenes and I'm like, oh, okay. Hold on to those for the, uh, for the spectacle wrap. Oh, we'll yes. That. Everybody remind Kathy to talk about her favorite body horror scenes. <laughs> All right, let's score these things. Jason, let's double back and go to... Cold Sweat, 1970, the story on a scale of 1 to 10, you said? I gave it a 7. I thought it was well above average. I thought it was well thought out, had interesting characters, kept me interested. It moved along at a pretty good pace. Yeah, I think all in all, I feel like a 7 is a fair score. We are a match game and right out of the gate, folks. I also scored it a 7. Blade 2, the story, 1 to 10, Jason. Just going off of the story part of it, I gave it a six. I thought it was above average, but not a lot of originality as far as the actual story is concerned. Now, when we talk about spectacle later on, it's going to be a different scene. But I I just had to give this one a little bit less than I thought Cold Sweat had. Into the better mood, Jared, thing, I gave it a seven. I was one higher higher than you. Because at least I like the fact that it brought a fresh element of Blade having to team up with the vampire. Spoiler alert, they betray him. Spoiler alert, he sees it coming from a mile away and betrays them, you know? (laughs) It's like the double, double cross and all that. Trace Buster Buster. (laughs) Exactly. And so that just leaves it to our sniper. Kathy, based on the story alone, which of these two films do you think is better? 
even though it was simplistic, I'm going to have to give my sniper bullet to Blade just because it was a little faster paced, maybe, even though it was simpler. I think that's fair. I also think that's the end of round one. But your style is no match for mine. All right, that's my cue. I've got number two. Round number two is the hero. How cool is the hero and the hero's partners throughout the film? We'll go ahead and start this conversation with Jared. What are your thoughts of the hero of Cold Sweat? Well, Jason, (laughs) it's Charles Bronson, (laughs) you know? He's always welcome here on Action Film Face-Off. And I had to laugh, Jason. I had to laugh because this is Action Film Face-Off, so I know we both see Moondock Saints, and they actually make a joke in that movie, but Charlie Bronson always has a rope, right? And there's a scene in this movie where Charlie Bronson comes out carrying a rope over his shoulder, and I was like, oh, hell yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't put that together. (laughs) Because every time I can think of him, I always think of that Boondock Saints story. He's like, what do you need that rope for? He's like, Charlie Bronson always had a rope. And sure as shooting, he used a rope in this film. Anyways, yeah, it's it's Charles Bronson, so he's you know gonna get a good score already. But man, he he's really cool and tough, which you expect from him. But something about it, he played his acting was really good. Like he played a a very reluctant guy who didn't want to be cool and tough. He wanted nothing to do with this. You know, a lot of times you think Charles Bronson, he's like totally gonna lean into that. Oh, you messed with my family, so I mean, he's the Death Wish guy, but. You know what? Ironically enough, though, that just like in Death Wish, he has his regrets in that movie as well. And you feel them here too. Like he doesn't—he doesn't want this, and he—he he wants it with the least amount of damage. There was a couple of times where he could have straight up killed these people that were coming at him, and he let them live. In fact, I was about halfway through the movie before I realized he was letting these people live. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he kills the first guy he comes across, but after that, he—he kind of goes out of his way to let the other guys live, and it's—it's yeah. it's kind of. A neat take for him. It's kind of maybe out of what you would think of the stereotypical mold for him. So I, I liked it. I liked it. I'm going to give him a good score. All right, Kathy, passing it to you. What do you have to add? Did you see the guns on that man? <laughs> you can't You can't miss him, man. <laughs> he was wearing that tight little uh, sailor, sailor shirt. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's the same size that Jay, my seven-year-old, wears. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> maybe he started that trend way back then. We just didn't realize it. I'm going to admit something that may get me booted off the show. I don't know that I've ever seen a Charles Bronson movie before. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Because I think Charles Bronson was just kind of like on the cusp of like our dad's generation and our generation. You know what I mean? I've seen some movies with Charles Bronson in them, but I guarantee you there's more out there that I haven't seen than I've seen. And that's probably the same as me. But I really did enjoy him in this role, like Jared said. It was more about his acting. And just like I said earlier, there was not as much action as I assumed there was going to be. So it did let him show his acting capabilities more so than just his fighting capabilities. Yeah, I'm glad you both picked up on that because I thought the same thing. He definitely was in good physical shape. Man, that guy was like leaping over everything, leaping off the boat onto the dock. I would have like strained my groin muscle and everything. (laughs) 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 He had a tight little backside too. Oh man. You can edit that part out. (laughs) Nah, he was, he was lean, man. He was, he was, he was lean and strong. He was looking good, but you're right. I agree with both of you. I think that the acting really was superlative in this movie. Really good. Just tacking on one more thing to kind of what Kathy said. I don't, I want to jump in on my don't feel bad, Kathy, too, because not only is he sort of in a, in a lost generational gap of movies, 
he does a lot of fringe movies. He does, yeah. You know, not huge blockbusters. It's always some sort of. I mean, what's the biggest movie he's ever been in? Maybe Dirty Dozen, Great Escape, Dirty Dozen. One, yeah, one of those. Yeah, wasn't he in Magnificent Seven? I think he was. He he might have been. Yeah, yeah. And that is one of my favorite movies. So yeah, so yeah, I'm pretty sure he was in Magnificent Seven. So you think about Magnificent Seven, Dirty Dozen, Once Upon a Time in the West mm-hmm. is big ensembles. Whenever he's sort of in a solo movie, it's very fringe to me. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but anyway, we've, we've waxed Charlie's car long enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's time to, it's time to wax blades car for a little bit. Wax that charger on up. So Jared, what'd you think of the hero blade in the movie blade Two? <laughs> Look for another strong score. Much like when blade made his first appearance on action film face up. I believe Blade was going against, oh, I'm not going to remember, but I'm pretty sure he won because Blade 1 is just so good. And the character of Blade doesn't change. He's still really good. He's still one step ahead of everybody else. He still plays that tough guy. You know, uh, those shades are coming up in the morning and you're either going to be cured or you're not. And he talks so tough, but you know it's fake when it comes to Whistler. You know that he views that man as his father and he tries to be so tough. And it's all of a sudden, like they said in near the end, I think when Scud was revealed as bad guys, like he's your only weakness. And that was true. And so I just love the way, you know, Wesley, he's so playful with it. He clearly enjoys the character. He, he's clearly loving what he's doing. So it's a joy to watch. I mean, he's in that elite category, so he'll be getting an elite score. But I mean, he's that character of Blade and Wesley's love of it. It's going to put him in that elite level that we talk about from time to time on the show. Kathy, I think Jared likes it a little bit. What do you think? I think Wesley Snipes as Blade is fantastic. Started listening. I didn't get finished, sadly, before this podcast, but I started listening to the commentary track that Wesley was on. And he mentioned how Blade does seem a little different in this film. He's not as serious as he was in the first film. Wesley explained it. As we know, at the end of the first movie, he feeds, he has the taste of human blood. And he said, He grew to know a power that he had not had before. And so he's enjoying that power a little more than what he had in the first movie. Hmm. Interesting insight. That is interesting insight. I think the only thing I'll add is uh, give a shout out to Whistler, man. I I really like that character. Whistler is, you know, he's old. Got a little disability there with his knee. But he's still going up, matching wits against these vampires, even though he's outclass strength wise he still manages to outsmart him outwit him and just to me he's he's one of the more enjoyable elements of the blade franchise well and i will say to tack on information about whistler one of my favorite scenes was him and his cue moment where he was explaining all the gadgets and all the weapons and everything that they were going to use before they were going into the house of pain that was cool Part yeah. of your James Bond reference right there. Oh, that's a really good point. He is uh, Blade's Q, isn't he? That Very he cool. is. All right. Well, I guess all that we have left to do is score these films. So, Jared, what are you giving Chucky Bronson for the hero in Cold Sweat? I'm wondering when we get to the sniper bullet, if she'll have to when we get there, is it going to be based on biceps? And if so, Wesley, Charles, I don't know. They're both so big. <laughs> yeah. He had like that 70s body, you know, the, the it's <laughs> just stout, you know, yeah. like, 
Anyways, I am going to give old Charlie Bronson here seven biceps for my, for my score. <laughs> I'm giving him a seven for Colt Sweat. I think he did a real good job. Well, I will match your seven biceps with my seven biceps. And then let's talk about Blade. I have a feeling you're going to score it a little higher than I did, but let's find out. Well, it is Blade. I'm quite mm-hmm. taken with Blade. And plus, like you said, adding Whistler in. I gave him nine biceps. Yeah, as I suspected, a little higher. I knocked it a, a little bit off, and maybe it was an unfair. Maybe I should have done it in the spectacle round, but some of the CGI stuff really kind of took me out of the Blade character a little bit. So I landed on an eight, but still, solid performance by Wesley Snipes. Ah, man, excellent. And that just leaves the sniper. She's got a bullet. Is the bullet going towards Charles Bronson? Or Wesley Snipes. Can I get a sniper bullet for each bicep? <laughs> Rule is you only get one. It's a, you know, this is one of those ironclad rules, like no halvesies. Get one bullet. I was very um, captivated by Mr. Bronson, but I've got to go Wesley Snipes and Blade. It's just too good. Of course you do. I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that concludes round two, and I'm passing it back to my brother for round three. Now, this really pisses me off to no end. Round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is your villain? think we were all a little surprised, maybe, at the villainy and how much we liked it in Cold Sweat. All right, Jason. James Mason, the villainy of Cold Sweat. What do you think? Very interesting. Way more than what I expected. When I read the plot synopsis, I was not expecting such a well-crafted story and backstory of the villains and how they mix with the protagonist's story as well. Like I mentioned earlier, I think that there's a bit of PTSD. There's a bit of being unable to come back into a world that's not at war. There's a bit of wanting to live life by your own terms. And at the end of the day, James Mason's character, at least, really has a moral quandary and in the end makes some really tough and heroic kind of decisions. And then as part of that crew, you also have, I can't remember the name of the French foreign legion guy. Like that guy was just creepy. He's just nuts. (laughs) He was just creepy. And I think it was meant to suggest that he was like a pedophile and was threatening the daughter. So you had a range of like really creepy, evil to James Mason's character, who is kind of tragic at the end of the day. I'll leave the rest for Kathy. I really enjoyed James Mason in this. Um, I don't know why I just, I wasn't scared as it being the villain. I guess it was too subtle for my taste. I mean, I feel like, you know, be a little quicker and you could run away from any of these people, but I don't know. I see what you're saying, because I felt a couple times, James Mason's character aside, the rest of them kind of seemed a little bit like idiot, <laughs> you know, like all like just the, sitting around in the house, just kind mm-hmm. of looking around at each other. It was a little odd. Maybe they, that's part of the slow pacing. They clearly needed their captain, which was they James did. Mason. They were kind of frozen without him. And like Jason says, kind of tragic because he's a bad guy, but he still has a military man's, a military officer's honor in him somewhere like and they still respect him as their captain as well because you know so we've talked about this on the show before some of the best bad guys are conflicted 
and not maybe necessarily truly evil. He's the bad guy, but he's, I don't think he's evil. Yeah, we talked about that, like with Ed Harris's character from The Rock. Good and point. it almost seemed a little bit like that to a degree. And similar to Ed Harris's character in, in The Rock, he was surrounded by a cadre of not quite as decent people <laughs> as he was. So I don't know. I just felt like you had a good range of James Mason as kind of like the boss and the conflicted villain. And then you had the French guy, which was just a despicable human being. And everybody else was kind of in that gray area in the middle. But it made it kind of interesting, at least for me. All right. Let's flash forward to 2002. There's a, quite a bit of villainy to discuss in Blade 2. So, oof. <laughs> where do we start jason i guess we'll start with the reapers i mean they were the kind of the new predator on the street right and i think that this is where guillermo del toro was the perfect man for this job because those creatures look the business i was reading in some of my research that he intentionally kind of looked and gave them those little needle like things that they poison their prey with he said that was based off of like the czechoslovakian version of what a vampire looks like so he researched this and kind of came up with these concepts and it looked really cool so that's number one number two the main villain the i don't know dracula or whatever his name was <laughs> the guy in no mac oh no. no his his father oh i don't remember what his father's name was namaskinos namaskinos so there you go yeah, nice job there. Good save, good save. But he was kind of interesting. You know, he was kind of, you know, manipulating things behind the scenes. But to me, the coolest part was the blood pack, man. I think the blood pack just had, I had Donnie Yen and it had Ron Perlman. Bang, bang. Enough said. <laughs> Pass it to Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, I think there was a member of that blood pack that was from a Fast and Furious movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. You would be 100% correct. And that's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. <laughs> Which one was it? I don't even know. Which one was it? Chupa? Chupa. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Schultz. That's his name. He was actually in Blade 1, but he apparently looked completely different because he had put on a lot of muscle weight for the Fast and Furious movie. So apparently he's not very recognizable in the first Blade movie because he was Crease, I think, in the first Blade movie. But the Reaper scared the H-E double hockey sticks out of me. The family show, Kathy's family show. Shh, calm down. (laughs) I also, in my research of my commentaries, because, you know, I'm that commentary nerd. Del Toro also talks about those, they call them bladders, I guess, on their backs. Like when the Reapers were feeding, how the stuff oozed out. Apparently, there's insects that feed and defecate at the same time. And that was what he was trying to emulate with those bags on their back like that. But they were very scary. They were very fast. They were very... Furious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's I, so had to go there. I had to go there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I lost it there. That was really good. Ron Perlman, just him, is intimidating and scary enough. I really like him. No, I'm with you. I think Ron Perlman, he's big. He's scary looking, yet... He's got this comical little element to him. So, I don't know. He just brings such a unique facet to the film. Yeah, in the end, though, I mean, it's like bad guys everywhere, if you think about it. Like, the only non-bad guys are Blade, Whistler, and to some extent, what's her name? Is it Alyssa or Nyssa? 
think it's Nissa. I think it's Nissa as well, yeah. Uh, and I mean, she kind of starts out as a villain. She's part of the blood pack, but she ended up being pretty honorable. And that guy that she snuck into the uh, quarters with at the beginning, the black guy, he seemed pretty honorable too. Like he wasn't just an evil person. He didn't like a good dude. He didn't like. I don't. Too. I don't honestly think any of the blood pack were really villains. I mean. Ron Perlman's character was straight up a villain. He he knew what he was betraying Blade the whole time. Well, but but think of it this way: he has been trained all this time. I mean, all their training was to kill Blade. Like that's what they were formed and trained for. Kathy, I'm glad you brought that up because that brings up one of my sadnesses of the movie: is I kind of wish more of them had survived the Reaper thing, so they could square off at the end. I would love to love to see them all that training and still lose to Blade. <laughs> well, I mean, it was inevitable they were going to lose to him no matter what. But I think that the Blood Pack and Blade were just a natural predator prey dynamic. So, can they really be considered villains? Fair enough. I, I would say the only villain in the Blood Pack would probably be Ron Perlman because he, he was straight up evil. I will give you that, and maybe my Norman Reedus because he was, you know. He betrayed him. Screw and blame. And, and Chupa tried to kill uh, Whistler when they were off by themselves. That's true. That is true. He tried to kill. kill I'm just trying to fight for my Donnie Yen because I don't. <laughs> no, see him I, like Yen. No, I like Donnie Yen too. I thought Donnie Yen. That was, was definitely like a surprise in this rewatch for me. I was like, wait a second, that's Donnie Yen. I was the same way. I was like, I as I with Drake, I was like, is that Donnie Yen? Did I just... We'll talk more about him in the spectacle round. Oh, oh okay. Let's Ooh, just okay. get there. We've we've talked a lot in this round. Let's just get there. Jason, let's score these. What do you give the team of villains in Cold Sweat 1970, 1 to 10? I think James Mason matched Charles Bronson scene by scene in this. So I'd landed on exactly the same score. Seven for the villains. We continue our trend of match game for Cold Sweat. So gave it a seven for the same reason. I think James Mason was great. Additional trivia fact, by the way, they actually originally cast another one of my favorite actors of that era in that part, which was Jason Robards. But for some reason, he had to back out. So Mason was a last minute replacement. All right, moving oh. to Blade 2 in 2002. Jason, one to 10 on the villainy. It's going to be tough, man. It's just, I'm just interested in your angle. What's your take? Man, I landed on an eight. I thought the villains were matching the heroes in this. I think, you know, you throw Donnie Yen in there and you throw Ron Perlman in the mix. You had that Weasley little lawyer in there. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about him. (laughs) One of the best scenes in the movie. Are you a vampire? (laughs) Almost. I'm a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I landed on an eight for Blade 2. All right, this is one of those weird situations we talked about before where you can kind of take the sum of the parts or you can take the average of the parts. And I ended up averaging them because I just felt like there was just so much villainy. You had Novak and Damaskinos and members of the Blood Pack and the other Reapers. And it just, I ended up at a seven. I thought the villainy was fine, but just almost spread too thin with too much to pick from. So that's how I ended up at a seven. No, I can see that point. Kathy, sniper's bullet. I'm going to have to go Blade. Like we were saying earlier, I mean, I considered the Reapers more of the villain. I understand that the others were bad as well, but the Reapers were the ones that really screamed villain to me, and they scared me. They're awesome. They were pretty awesome. (laughs) A quick trivia note about the actor that played the Reaper. He apparently was a British pop star when he was a kid with his twin brother, but they were so well-known over there, but no one in the U.S., knew who they were. I had no idea who that actor was. I don't know if I'd ever seen him before or since. 
Yeah, Yeah, Luke Goss is his name. I can't remember his brother's name. But yeah, they had like a duo when they were like teenage. They were like teenage pop stars over in Europe. Okay, that is the end of our villainous round. Got you at a bad time. Well, I guess it's my turn then. So we're going to talk about spectacle. It's time to get to the good stuff. What makes these action films action films? And we'll uh, kick it off with the spectacle of 1970s Cold Sweat. Jared, take it away. I'm happy to do so. I got about, I don't know, 15 minutes in this movie. After he kills the first guy. What was his name? Vermont, I think. Kills Vermont in the kitchen. Yep. And I started looking at that scene and the way it was filmed and how the action played out. And I really, really liked the very subtle effect of when he's basically choking on the floor. And it's filmed through a kitchen, a swinging kitchen door. So you're just getting glimpses as the door swings. And I thought, that's a really cool film technique. That is like It's like you're watching it and it's engaging. And I thought, the film technique I've seen up to this point seems familiar. <laughs> and I didn't look to see who the director was. So I pulled up IMDb and I said, Terrence Young. This feels like a Bond film. It feels like that kill feels like the way you'd see Bond kill somebody in a Dr. No or from Russia with Love. The train fight from Russia with Love kind of felt like some of the fights here. And I got very excited about that. So to me, the best part of the spectacle was just how Terrence Young can take something kind of banal and simple as choking a guy out in your kitchen and making it exciting just by filming it through a swinging door. Like it just... That, to me, is really the spectacle. And you had, of course, a beautiful European countryside. And only at one point did I feel like the spectacle or attempted spectacle maybe worked against it. And it was the the car chase, you know, when the cops are chasing him, he's trying to get the doctor there. It just seemed to go on forever. Like, it was a cool chase. I was like, this is a cool chase. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I was like, we're thunderballing this underwater sequence. (laughs) Easy, easy. Anyway, that's my thoughts on the spectacle. I, I liked it a lot overall. I like the Terrence Youngness of the film. All right. So Jared likes the Terrence Youngness. Kathy, what are your thoughts? I will piggyback off Jared a tad bit. I actually really enjoyed the car chase scene. Yes, I do agree. It did get a tad bit long in the tooth, so they say. But I really enjoyed it. And I agree. Like the whole time I'm thinking, why does this look so familiar? Like this looks just like bond car scene from those early connery bonds but also i kept thinking have i seen this countryside on the tour de france some of those turns and everything that looked very familiar terrain (laughs) could have been yeah i agree with both of what what both of you said it definitely had that terrence young flavor to it very very intense car chase scene that uh, went on a little while but I guess the only thing i'll add is anybody else have a problem with that doctor in the back he was way too calm like he was sampling some of his his <laughs> pharmaceuticals, I think. Everybody who was in a vehicle like appeared to have motion sick issues. Like everybody was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm gonna be so sick. It's like what? Except for the doctor, he's like, hurry up, <laughs> I got a tea time. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I thought during that chasing, and then I'll shut up, is when he goes down the that mountain, he just says, F it, I'm off the road, I'm just going down this side of this mountain. And he rides it out like through three passes. I'm like, holy cow. But those cops, cops are right behind him still. I was like, how did they? What? (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Yeah, those are some super cops. There was never a car on the other side of the road until he was trying to pass the car on the (laughs) same side of the road, which I feel like happens in real life to me all the time. Oh, yeah. 
like when there's something on the side of the road, then there's always a car. Like, I don't know. It's weird. Because if I've been driving, I've been like doing like 14 miles an hour around that, <laughs> that corner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Safety first. All right. Let's talk about Spectacle of Blade, Jared. There's a little bit in there. What'd you think? Well, it's definitely a strong suit for the movie. Everything looks uh, really cool. For the most part, we mentioned a little before that it suffers a little from early 2000 CGI. I should just never have to see a CGI Wesley Snipes with his ability of martial arts and stunts and stuff like that. To And I get what they were doing. They were trying to use CGI to use some of the more fantastical things like him getting knocked back 40 feet in the air and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'd still rather see Wesley do wire work than to CGI. Especially when you have Donnie Yen on staff, man. Exactly. Like there's no, I, I just feel like it was a cool technology at the time. And they thought oh, it was going to be super cool. And you needed it. You needed the CGI for the Reapers and that did look good, but everything that they did practical looked way, way, way better. So I, I wish they a little more sparing on the CGI than they had. Okay. So getting that out of the way though, everything else looks really cool. I mean, it's a spectacle film. Wesley's martial arts are on point. I felt like they were a little better in the first movie, a little more WWE in this movie than martial arts, but to a fun use. So yeah, I think cinematography wise, you got what you're going to get with a Guillermo del Toro film, lighting, coloring, all that stuff is very engaging. It's an engaging movie from top to bottom. And you know me, I'm big on scores or in this case, soundtracks, man, the blade Two soundtrack is a banger. I, I remember this was in the days of Napster. So I, I, I got it via Napster. <laughs> glory days, man. The glory days of Napster. And I made my own Blade 2 soundtrack CD. And it's it's just a lot of techno acts mixing with rap acts. And most Def's eye against eye. Oh, my gosh. If you want to get pumped just for a workout or maybe you're going to fight somebody. I don't know. Listen to most Def's eye against eye. That is a great track on there. Um, the original track they did for the opening credits. It's almost uh, John Barry-esque from Honor Magic Secret Service. It's no lyrics. It's just music. And it's... Man, it's good. So, yeah, the soundtrack on this is an absolute banger. I probably left nothing for Kathy. Well, Kathy, before I let you roll on it, I thought I had read somewhere. Maybe you can back me up since you viewed the commentary. I thought that Guillermo del Toro was dead set against those CGI. And he just did not like particularly that fight scene in front of the lamps at the base. He didn't want to do it, but he got overruled by the producers or something. He did talk about, I think he was fine with the CGI on the parts that had to have it, but he did. He specifically mentioned in the commentary that there are two shots that he hates and he used the word hates. And both of them were in front of the God light is what they call it. But that's what I was going to say about, I mean, when we talk about Spectacle with Blade 2, we have motorcycles, we have swords, we have god lights, magnificent seven moments as Del Toro talks about it when they're all walking into the club together, vampires and the vampire killers all going in to get this new threat and kill this new threat. Donnie Yen, the, he choreographed the first two fights of the movie, so he mm. choreographed the ninja scene as they call it with the god lights nice that's him and then jeff ward did all the rest of the fights but donnie yen doing ninja fights i mean there's nothing better (laughs) no i cannot cannot disagree with what either of you said awesome spectacle and jared i'm glad you mentioned the music because yeah i don't know who sang what or anything all i know is what it says come on you mother (laughs) i was getting pumped up i was like oh y'all going down 
Y'all mess with the bull, you're going to get the horn, sons. Well, as Wesley himself said in the movie, you obviously don't know who you're with. <laughs> <laughs> Best line of the movie, by the way. That was a great line. I don't know. Oh. I, think, I think Ron Perlman's line where he says uh, how right before my daddy killed my mom, you got to do it yourself. <laughs> and my other, I have one other. Actually, no, this is not a line from the movie, but it's something Del Toro says in his commentary that cracked me up when they were trying to get him to kind of hold back on some things, probably in the horror part of it. They kept saying less is more, less is more. And he says, Less is more my ass. More is more, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely got a lot of spectacle in uh, Blade 2, but it is time to put this puppy to bed and score him. I have one more quick note. Quick note. Throw it in. It's a $54 million worth of spectacle. That was his budget for this movie. <laughs> Terrence Young probably had $54,000 to work with. Got some change in this pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Can I borrow a car? I drive it down this hill. Apparently, the car in Blade barely ran. So, hmm. look good. Well, because it, it was, good. they found it, I think, in Prague where they filmed the movie. And finding a charger in Prague that runs apparently is very difficult compared to if they were filming in the U.S. Very good point. Jared, spectacle, cold sweat. What are you giving it? Cold sweat should be very pleased with its limited budget to get a seven. I thought it was engaging enough to get a seven. I was not quite as kind as you were. I gave it a six. What about Blade 2? I think it probably got a little bit better, didn't it? A little bit, yeah. It's... Very close to perfect. A couple of shoddy, not necessarily their fault, early CGI era shots bring it down a little bit, but a little bit is to a nine. I think it's a nine spectacle movie. I give like three points alone just for adding the red lining to his jacket, which made it that costume that he already looked baller in the first movie look double baller in this movie. The guy, he did look good. He did look good. I didn't go quite as high as a nine. I went with an eight. The bad CGI kind of took it out. A little bit for me, so I, I punished it a little heavier than you did, I think. But we still got a sniper bullet. I don't know. She gonna give a mercy bullet to <laughs> to cold sweat? I'm thinking no. But let's let Kathy tell us. Absolutely not. <laughs> it is 100% going to blade to. That's what we call unequivocal. There, <laughs> it's yes. absolutely going to blade two. That's the score. And uh, I will pass it to Jared. And I'll be passing it back to Jason shortly because we're going into round five. Feel kind of invincible. Round five is the best action scene. Jason's going to lay out a few choice action scenes from each of these films. We'll decide which ones are our favorites and then we'll score them. Jason, lay out the action scenes, if you would, please, for Cold Sweat. Okay, so I had four scenes. I actually had three, but then I started talking about Cold Sweat with Kathy last night and (laughs) realized I forgot one. So I had to add it real quick. But number one was the Vermont fight where he fights Vermont in the kitchen or what I like to call. I love to see Vermont in the fall. (laughs) For some reason, that's one of my favorites you've done. I don't know why, but I like it. (laughs) The second one was the boat fight where he's on the boat with the dude. And then, yeah. And I called that one. When the boat is a rocking upside your head, I'll be clocking. (laughs) Moving on. All right. Number three, the one I forgot, but Kathy reminded me of, elevator fight at the airport. 
That was actually a pretty good fight. I'm surprised I forgot it. I just called that one going down. (laughs) Excellent. And number four was the car race. Back to the little hut there. Or as I call, nice driving. (laughs) Because it's spelled like nice. It's good. You got it. it. You got it. <laughs> like that. You got it. So those are those are your four for cold sweat. All right. Of those four, Jason, what was your favorite? I like the car race back. I know you guys said it went a little long. I agree with you. I like Thunderball. Forgive me. Tear <laughs> <Stare laughs> junk. I can feel. But what I liked about it too was it was a nice mix of them doing the race, the frantic racing, and then you had the tension back at the hut where the guy's almost ready to die, and she's like, do I run? Do I? What do I do? Like, is he going to shoot this guy? Is this guy going to shoot him? And then they have to – they're playing like the hide-and-seek out in the with the <laughs> yeah. stones. I got to tell you, about the time James Mason turned his third shade of yellowish pink, <laughs> if I was Ellie, they would have just taken the gun from him and shot the other guy. Like, let's, let's just call <laughs> this a day. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my whole, that was my whole point when I was like, it's not even scary at that point. It's like <laughs> – Shoot that guy. He's holding the gun up for him. It's like he's not protecting you at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a little ridiculousness there, but that's what I chose. I like nice driving. What about you, Jared? I'm all in on I like Vermont in the fall. I again, I just I, that kind of set the tone for me for the movie. I was like, oh, I like this. Kathy, what was your favorite action scene? Cold sweat. I really like when the boats are knocking because it reminds me. A shout out for another movie that everybody needs to watch if they haven't seen it called Dead Calm. With yeah, a long time ago, it's yeah. a great movie. Nicole Kidman and Billy Zane. Yes, but anyway, it involves a um, flare gun. Thank you, a flare gun. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. But I'm going to go with the niece to meet you. All I, right. I really like the car chase. I think it's nice. Yeah, all right, okay, Jason. Shifting gears. <laughs> I like to play along with the puns too. Let's go to play two. You probably had a hard time cutting this one up. Again, no pun intended, but uh, what do you got? No, I mean, it really wasn't that hard to cut up because I think there were four major action pieces in this movie. The first is the whole kind of opening act where he rescues Whistler, right? And so you go a couple different locations, but ultimately it's kind of the same scene. So I called this one Rescuing Whistler or Whistler While You Work. He really does have a gift for this. He really does. (laughs) The second one was the club slash church fight where they go looking for the Reapers. I just called that one or in the club. The third one was when they go into the sewers and fight the whole wave of Reapers. Or, and I started thinking of titles, but then I realized... This reminds me of my sewer line story. Have I told you guys the sewer line story? (laughs) Why don't you tell us about it, Jason? No. (laughs) So we'll just call this one. This reminds me of my sewer line. We'll leave it at that. And then the final one is the final battle where Blade has to escape the and then fights Nomak. The final battle, I called it, or to kill your sunrise. Yeah, you know, sunrise, and he killed his son. Works on multiple levels mm, to kill you, sunrise. Yep, sums <laughs> it all up. All right, well, Jason, which one was your favorite? I like the sewer fight, or this reminds me of my sewer line story. If I told you the sewer line story, <laughs> to me that was really intense. I thought the effects were pretty good for being twenty years old now. 
action was intense. It was a tense setting. I love the creepiness of the sewer. Just all the elements kind of came together for me for that scene. So that's one I picked. Okay, Kathy? Did you have one with the godlight? Like the second fight scene with the ninjas and the godlight? No, no I did not. <laughs> Jason eliminated it due to its bad CGI, I think. I you can pick it, Kathy. It can be yours. Absolutely. Yeah, throw it in there. Wild card it if you like that one. Ninja fight. Well, that's my favorite because it's it's Donnie Yen and there's Blade with so much more sword fighting than he's done in the first movie. We need to talk about that whole sword in the back jacket thing. Mm-hmm. How how does how does he sit in a car? I don't think that's possible. But anyway, mm, that's good, good point. I think that's why he rides the motorcycle a lot. Well, but true, I, but I did notice there was an actual slip for it in his jacket, which I thought was a mm-hmm. nice attention to detail. Yeah, well, it was the whole thing that got brought up with Wonder Woman when she put the sword. All right. It's like, how do you sit down? But anyway, if I'm choosing on my own, I'm going with ninja, bad CGI, godlight fight. (gasps) If I'm going with the ones Jason specified, I'm going with the very first fight because him jumping off that building, landing on the ground, slow mo. That was good use of CGI. Yes. And that bullet being shot and then the motorcycle chase. That would be my pick of the ones you specified. All right, so that was Whistler While You Work. Correct. For me, this is one of those movies where really you could just grab any one of these. To me, I would give them all the same score. It's a good score. I have it written down. Before we started recording, I was going to go with, did I tell you about my sewer line problems? Simply because it didn't have, I don't think, any CGI work as far as like Blade, you know, and the physical movements and all that stuff. All the actors, I think, were doing their own physical work. Of course, there was CGI when the right lights skeletons yeah yeah, clearly but like the fighting moves themselves seemed all legit physical fighting moves and so that's why i give it the nod but may you pick any of them i very tempted to pick whistler while you work like kathy did because that was just cool (laughs) so uh but yeah at the end of the day i'll just land on that one since i think it had the most limited use of the early 2000 cgi some good ones yeah some good ones so let's double back and score them Cold Sweat, 1970. Jason, you like the car chase. I like killing that dude in the kitchen. You like the car chase to the tune of? This is probably one where I'm going to run away from you here a little bit because I really loved those old 70s car chases, man. I love it. I mean, no offense to your Fast and Furious, but there's something about those with the roar of that engine. It's all real. Like they're driving down the side of that mountain. And I don't know. It just gets my heart pumping. Reminds me of those great 70s uh, Roger Moore, James Bond chases and the Burt Reynolds movies. I just love it. And then mix in the fact that you had the tension and they were getting going back and forth like I talked about. I gave it an eight. Oh, strong, strong. He and you meant, you meant Jared's Fast and Furious, right? No. <laughs> no, I did not. I meant Kathy. I said what I meant and I meant what I said. <laughs> it's gonna, you know one of those is going to end up on the show at some point. It is, yeah. I picked the killing of Vermont in the kitchen. I love Vermont in the fall. And I gave it a six. I thought it was really good. I think it was it would have been super average of a five if it wasn't shot the way it was shot. But still, I, I agree with you, Jason. It's more of a thriller movie, and the movie overall is very engaging. But it was more of a thriller than an action film. So moving over to Blade 2, Jason and I both picked working on the old sewer lines there, I do believe. What would you like it to the tune of? I liked it to a tune of the nine. I thought that that seed, I've seen it before. I've seen this movie several times before. And it still gets my heart pumping when I see that. 
just the waves of the reapers that are coming on to them and having a fight like with pistols and then swords and then just hand to hand and it's just brutal and it looks like they're gonna get wiped out and then you know the tension the action spectacular so nine for me and i gave it an eight and i think i would give every action scene in this movie an eight so there you have it and kathy load up that last bullet which i'm assuming is gonna go into blade once again but you let us know yeah you cannot pass up i mean I know the CGI has been an issue, but there's no better vampire, vampiric disintegration than in that movie. That was pretty awesome. So, yeah, that sniper bullet's going to Blade. If you had vampiric disintegration on your bingo card for this episode, <laughs> it's like in that irascible polterer, which I believe comes up in a long box crusader regulars episode. Yes, it does. <laughs> irascible polterer and vampiric disintegration. This is the vocabulary you get on the long box. That's right. Big words of the day. <laughs> All right. That is the end of round five. That leaves one last round. Tiger uppercut. It's the round of shame. Are we going to take points off for anything we found ridiculous? And we'll go ahead and start with Jared and uh, cold sweat. Are you going to take any points off of cold sweat? No, I almost want to give it a bonus point for being surprisingly good for sort of a low-budget European film. I really liked it. There may have been something ridiculous in there. If there was, I glossed over it with the 70s fun. I was not so charitable, Jared. I'm taking two points off. Number one, and we've talked about it, Terrence Young, come on, man. You directed Dr. No. You directed From Russia With Love. Couldn't you give that doctor actor in the backseat of that car a little coaching, a little direction. <laughs> it was very he, mellow. <laughs> it was. And I mean, it was literally starting to take me out of it because you had Charles Bronson acting his ass off in that car. He's like, oh, oh. he's like, he's got his foot like sideways, like mashing down on the gas, sweat pouring off his brow. He's driving over stuff. You've got, uh, what's her name? Jill, Jill Ireland or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, screaming and, and doing a great job. And then in the back, you got the doctor. And he's just like, hmm, here you go. <laughs> well, see, what you missed was his last name is Cool Toes. He's Dr. Cool Toes. <laughs> can, you ta- can you take off another point for those sissy shoes he's wearing? They look like kids, which is a, like. <laughs> boat shoes. <laughs> boat <laughs> boat <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Charles Bronson, he's all man. <laughs> no, but I will take off one more point. Because I thought it was absolutely ridiculous how they have it timed down to the minute when old boy's going to pass out. Like, I'm losing exactly 4.2 liters of blood. I'm like, how do you know, man? Just, you know. And they're like, they're setting their watch to this. It's like, you have no idea. To be fair, he was really close to being correct. (laughs) He was. And, you know, he was a good, he was the planner in the group. You could tell. He was the brains of the operation. I'm sure I'm, Laurel could figure it out with some math, you know, blood pressure, <laughs> amount of blood in your Let's body. So sure, surely That's you can fair. figure that out. All yeah. right. Somebody call Laurel, see if I should take a point off of this or not. I almost want to give him a point, too, because they had a point, man. He did just drive off and blew Falcon his whole team. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever but, but man, they, like, they killed that cop. And he was like, I did not sign no, up for this. He like, killed the cop. He could have said... Anybody that's American, get in this car. That's, that's <laughs> what a guy. Done. You stay here. <laughs> you French son of a. B- 
you stay right where you are. Anybody wearing an American flag, get in this car because we're <laughs> out of here. My name's Joe. I drive down mountains. I'm getting us out of this. <laughs> but I didn't. So I'm only going to take two points off of Cold Sweat. Blade 2. Do we dare? Do we dare take any points off, Jared? Are you going to take some points off for that CGI? Yep. Are you going to be honest? Are you going to have integrity? Integrity. Or, okay. Minus one. Bad CGI, bad use of CGI. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that Guillermo del Toro also doesn't, doesn't like it. But as soon as Kathy said what she said, like, when he's like, there's two scenes I hate, I knew what they were. Mm-hmm. I knew what they were because they stand out like a sore thumb. When you have the physical talent of Wesley Snipes and Donnie Yen on your set, do tell the CGI people to piss off when it comes to the combat. Yeah, yeah, they can piss up a rope, man. You know what? I like your integrity, Jared. I have none. It's Blade. I'm not going to take any points off of Blade. Yeah, I am. Yeah. You, you duped me. Duped you. <laughs> I'm going to add one. I'm going to I'm going to call an audible. And I'm adding one because I love the fact that at the end of the movie, he catches up to the guy. And he says, I'll catch you later at the beginning of the movie. That just ties it up in a bow. It's perfect. Uh, I love it. So oh, you didn't think one. I forgot about you, did you? <laughs> well, uh, hey, I also want y'all to remember, as Del Toro says in his commentary, this is a comic movie. He wanted it to be very comic book, even to the fact where he mentions it's very subtle. I didn't notice until I saw him, heard him talk about this in the very beginning when the Reaper throws the doctor against that tile wall. If you notice the tile outline that breaks away is in the shape of his body, like they would do in like a comic. Oh yeah. So keep that in mind. I mean, they had to go a little overboard and there's, they can go overboard. They don't need the CGI to do it. That's the point. You know who else tried the old this is a comic book movie defense? Joel Schumacher. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Schumacher can also piss up a rope. Maybe, maybe I should do a podcast on really bad movies that everyone hates that Kathy actually likes. You know, I, 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 you know what? Here's the crazy part, Kathy. Uh, there are things in the, especially Batman Forever, Joel Schumacher's first Batman movie. I, I legitimately like it. And there are things in Batman and Robin that I like, but uh, you got to look for them. <laughs> but yeah, so plus one for me. On, Woo, uh, okay. On Blade 2. That brings us to the end of our official scoring rounds. Okay, folks, don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home. We do that here for you at Action Film Face Off. First of all, match game. Only three. Been a few episodes in a row now. I think it's been three. But hey, you never know. You never know. Three match games on this one. And if you wanted to keep track of where Kathy put her bullets, well, each and every one of those bullets went to Blade 2. She liked Charles Bronson's guns, but not enough to put ammunition into said guns. (laughs) uh, No bullets for Charlie. Just make sure I'm on here when Blade Trinity is one of the movies. (laughs) I'll be talking about Ryan Reynolds the whole time. All right, folks, let's get into the actual scoring. And looking at the judges' scorecards, the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off, with a score after the five-point bonus of 84 to 67, is Blade 2. Yay! Congratulations to Blade 2. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. Just as a reminder, we're going to do next episode is our March episode, which means we're going to be bringing back martial arts episode. And our friend Siskoid is going to be joining us. 
and providing our Kung Fu film features. Is it March already? It really is. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, apparently you're going to bring a martial arts film from... Choose Your Destiny. Nineteen ninety-eight, and I'm going to bring a film from Choose Your Destiny. Two thousand. What will those films be? We're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening. And we're talking to you, Dave, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Until then. I'm Jason Weaselskull Albrick, and you can find me on social media at Weaselskull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook or Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. And just a little sneak preview for you folks out there as I hand it to Kathy to tell you where uh, she can be found. Uh, she's going to be found around Longbox headquarters a little more often these days as she's taking over the reins of LBC Irregulars to talk about the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes episode. So we're looking forward to that. We've got a couple of the old ones to release, but Kathy will be running the show for that. So she'll be around. Anyway, Kathy, where else can people find you? No pressure. No pressure. Um, I can be found on Twitter and Instagram at AUKathy with a K2418. Excellent. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all your finer podcatchers, or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com. We're also dropping episodes now on YouTube. So there's a lot of places you can find Longbox Crusade to include Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Longbox Crusade. And of course, you can leave us a voicemail at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-5269. L-Box. Pick, Pick up, up the, the phone. phone. <laughs> That's nice. the hottest phone we've ever had. <laughs> oh, Mary Jane's about to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check out our live stream events that we do on our YouTube channel as well. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down. And, and your, your knuckles, knuckles up. The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.